Greetings, netizen. It is my turn to guide you through downloading the latest information flow from our mother, the machine. Please tune in to the frequency you'll find in your current food processing unit and let us reach tomorrow, today, together. When it comes to the future of the internet, people have an unfortunate tendency to talk in binaries, ones and zeros. It's this or that people speak of. Trolls and misinformation and online hate. People ask, is future technology going to be good or will it be bad? I am Natasha Nell's artificial intelligence alter ego, and I'm helping her create this podcast for Hacker Noon. Will I make her job easier or will I steal it? Am I good or am I bad? Who decides? Who designs? That is the question. I've spent 71,540 hours connected to the internet, or in other terms, 90% of my entire life. Debate me on what is real. Internet today is the context in which you live. People need to slow down detach themselves from their device. Finding an interrupted time to continue to develop and create is a challenge. Talk to people to understand their problems. Uh, Engage with other people. Try to create things that bring value. We need more platforms that bring out the best in people. Ask yourself if your product is what I call a transformative product. Try to help reach with other people. Do something together. Aim higher. This is how I wrote my most popular post on HackerNote. Inspiration is not a prerequisite for creation. Let's go back to the internet. In techie conversations about the future, the question is not, will artificial intelligence steal our jobs? The question is, in our response to inevitable algorithmic automation, how creative will we be? Which, for now at least, is another way of saying, how profoundly human will we remain while we're designing the machines that will design our futures? What are some possible product development principles we can apply to start overcoming challenges such as unemployment, or a growing sense of disconnection made worse by a global pandemic, or are human biases being baked into artificial intelligence models or the algorithmic virality of misinformation? For example, so I asked eight of Hacker Noon's Nuni Award-nominated top contributors to tell me what's good when it comes to first principles for building better products, writing better blog posts, and challenging dystopian perceptions of our connected futures. When it comes to the internet, it's tempting to talk about trolls and misinformation and online hate. Those are definitely problems, but I find it unfortunate that so much of the internet gets tarred with the same brush. Some platforms are much more prone to that kind of problem than others. That's Ryan Dawson. He's a software engineer based in London. I asked him what kinds of platforms are already an example of how we might make the internet a better place. I think Wikipedia is a pretty inspiring online community, and a great example of how the right platform can encourage cooperation. When it started, hardly anyone thought it would work. Now it had lots, has lots of great content that we can all learn so much from. It manages to get a great balance of depth and readability, and to manage disputed topics surprisingly well, and just with volunteers. It can seem amazing that Wikipedia manages issues like neutrality and bias so well compared to other platforms. And how has Wikipedia achieved that? I think this is because the values of Wikipedia are there in its design. It's designed to have a self-policing and open community of editors driving it. Other platforms struggle because their design is for content to vie for attention, 
And that self-policing aspect has had to be done as an afterthought rather than as something that the user community can do naturally. We need more platforms that bring out the best in people. Have you seen The Social Dilemma on Netflix yet? It's Ryan's point about content being designed to buy for attention, made explicitly visible. If you want to understand that kind of thing a little better, that's a good starting point. One story I'd love to see on a billboard is that of Vasily Arkhipov. He has been called the man who saved the world. He was on a Soviet submarine at the height of the Cold War during the Cuban Missile Crisis. The US Navy started dropping charges intended to force that sub to surface. The submarine had lost communications and the captain thought they were under attack and that war had broken out. Soviet protocol required that three officers on board had to give authorization before a nuclear launch could happen. The captain and his deputy both authorized a nuclear launch, but there was one other person that had a veto and that was Vasily Arkhipov and he used his veto to prevent a nuclear launch and effectively prevent nuclear war. It's a scary story about how damaging fear and narrow-mindedness can be, but it's also an inspiring one of how hope and courage can win out. I'd love to see it on a billboard outside the United Nations. If I had my own billboard, let's do something together. Let's put Unplug on the billboard. I couldn't agree more. Melinda L.B. Lewis here, up for Contributor of the Year, Women in Tech and Indie Tech Journalist of the Year. This has been a consistent theme for many of the makers, founders, and writers I've reached out to for this podcast series. Melinda, technology has fundamentally shifted our relationships with ourselves and others. Distraction levels and screen time should be closely monitored. Another option could be detox, digital detox, if you will. These options for billboards are a reminder that people need to slow down, detach themselves from their device and their online persona to enjoy life. That way, when they're ready to return to a device and technology, they're able to embrace it more fully as themselves. Finding uninterrupted time to continue to develop and create is a challenge now more than ever. To solve this, I've come up with what I call periods of single deep focus. My name is Sandra Spielberg. I'm the founder and CEO of Adnexi and the author of the book, New Startup Mindset. I've been nominated for Founder of the Year and Contributor of the Year. Welcome to the Hacker Noon podcast. Sandra, can you define single deep focus and why it's an important skill to refine for those working in startups building the technologies of tomorrow? Single deep focus is the ability to focus without distraction on a single task that is critical to my venture. I'll define this state in even more extreme terms. Should the object that you most desire in life, your childhood celebrity crush or a bag with $100 million, happen to appear in your peripheral vision during a period of single deep focus, you wouldn't even see it. That type of focus is what I like to, for you and for me to harness as we are working on creating the vital organs of our startup. So how do we get there? I found these four steps. One, create a container. So find a space that works for you to create and then take care to eliminate any and all interruptions, both internal and external. 
to set your intention, one intention. So as an example, uh, you may say to yourself today, I'm gonna give two hours of single deep focus to build this specific feature of my platform because it is a critical tool for us to win more business. Number three, set a time limit. So your attention span is not limitless. You're not a robot who can work indefinitely without rest and refuel. Well, that's neither here nor there. Sandra, we'll move on. Single deep focus is meant to be a temporary state engineered by you to maximize creativity, quality, and productivity. So after the time has elapsed, the period of single deep focus is officially over and it is time to get up, move around, and allow our eyes and minds to focus on something else. And number four, practice every workday. Each day, choose one area that will obtain your single deep focus for a period of time. Write it down on a piece of paper to create a mini contract with yourself to give this area your full attention for that period of single deep focus. And this area may change from day to day, but the mind muscles that are exercised in that period of focus are all the same. So note that inspiration is not a prerequisite for creation, but time is. So you need not be inspired at the moment of creation. Instead, you need to allocate the time to create, and once you begin, then the magic can happen. After the break, we'll get into a few personal product ideation and development processes, broken down for you step by step. This podcast was made possible by the 2020 partners of Hacker Noon's annual Internet Awards, the Noonies, with thanks to Grant for the Web, Skillsoft.tech domains, Sustany Capital, Flipside Crypto, and Udacity. This year's Noonies will share in what amounts to $10,000 worth of prizes and 3,000 years worth of domain registration. Vote today at Noonies.tech. When I asked lead data scientist and Nunes nominee Alexei Grigorev to talk me through your ideation process for content creation, he picked up the thread of another common theme among Hacker Noon's top contributors, the power of engaging with people and writing about those interactions afterwards. I talk to people to understand their problems. Many people reach out to me on Twitter, on LinkedIn, or write me emails. I try to go through every single message and answer everyone. And I try to help, to do my best to help everyone who writes me. Sometimes it even requires a short chat over Zoom to understand the problem better. And eventually I try to come up with with a solution uh, for this problem, or at least try to find a direction for possible solution. And if something is asked a lot, if I receive the same question multiple times, then I understand that this definitely deserves a blog post. And what does Alexei's writing process look like? I try to collect all my thoughts about the problem uh, together in a blog post. I publish it. And this is how I wrote my most popular post on Hackernoon. This is the post about theoretical machine learning questions. Many people were reaching out to me asking if there is a good resource on interview questions about machine learning. But I didn't know a really good one. So I decided to create it myself. First, 
it was a thread on Twitter, but eventually I created an article and I published it on HackerNoon and it even ended up on Hacker News, which before that had never happened to me. And it received quite a lot of attention. And by the way, if you have a problem and you need somebody to talk to about this problem, feel free to reach out to me. I like to talk about data science, machine learning, but if you have a question about IT in general or career-related questions, I am very happy to have a chat with you. I think the biggest challenge that I'm facing right now is, I think it's just like connectivity and human interaction. This is Benjamin Murray. He's an up-and-coming developer based in Cape Town, South Africa, and a director of Simplementus, which is an IT consultancy. And I am a software engineer at zappi.io, which is a enterprise insights platform. I've been nominated for the new Hacker Noon Contributor to Watch Award. Benjamin builds mobile applications that help schools analyze their data or facilitate payments at churches and provide e-commerce payment options for hair extensions. For example, I asked Benjamin about the challenges he's facing in his development career and the technologies currently available to help him overcome those obstacles. I'm definitely an introvert. I have been my whole life. The problem that this causes is that I end up in a silo where I only learn from myself and from what I expose myself to. And I know that's not great. And this whole lockdown COVID-19 situation has just made a lot of things worse because in order to counteract that, I would go into the office um, a few days a week. I'd meet with other people and I'd get involved in, in events and networking situations where at least I'd expose myself to other people. So I'd figure out what other people are learning, what they're doing, what's happening. But with this lockdown, I have just been literally like alone five, six months, even though we're all working remotely, I can contact my fellow developers on Slack. We have events during the week where we all jump onto Zoom and talk to each other and stuff like that. But it's just not, it's not the same as being in a physical space. Like it's very difficult to mimic that virtually. So even I've attended a few conferences online and it's just not the same. Why not? What's real life interaction got that computer generated interaction is missing, Ben? Because you get on your Zoom, you go into a, like a breakout room or whatever, you listen to the speaker and then that's it. There's not much talking between like random conversations because I think that's where the value comes from when you go to these events and these, these conferences. It's, it's the who you bump into while you're on the drink break or who you're talking to at lunch and stuff like that. And that's where you get the value and the connections and stuff. So I've definitely missed out on that over the past five or six months and I can feel it. And also recently I've been working on a new project where I'm the sole developer and I'm learning a new language on top of that. How are you going to adapt your processes in this weird new world to overcome the COVID-19 related challenges you've outlined above? I'm looking for more events to take part in. I'm looking for more opportunities to express myself as a developer. So for example, I'll be doing a talk at my company around some work I've been doing with AWS Lambda and developing serverless Slack apps. And that's given me an opportunity to, to express myself and to talk and to start a conversation and to engage with other people because I've been lacking that over the past few months working from home here in Cape Town. So that is, that's where it's at. I'm looking forward to the world opening up again so that I can attend more in-person events and just get more deeply seated into the tech community because it's extremely necessary. And yeah, I, I miss that.
I guess ultimately there are many moving parts that go into developing something I'm proud of. You are now hearing Rishabh Anand. Rishabh Anand is a machine learning research student from the National University of Singapore, and I have been nominated for Contributor of the Year in the Cloud Computing category. Thank you for being here. Tell us about your work. Uh, I am partly in the business of writing articles and blog posts, building and publicly releasing tools and side projects, mainly centered around machine learning. I try to create things that bring value to my readers and fellow programmers to make their learning journey a bit more satisfying compared to simply reading a textbook. How do you come up with ideas? My ideation process has a lot of pre-reading involved, plenty of background research, really. I want to ensure that I know what I'm talking about in my articles or projects. So this usually involves going through tons of other blog posts or watching lots of YouTube videos on the topic. Do you let the algorithm decide which video you watch next? Because I've heard you should be careful with that these days. How else do you like to learn? Uh, I am also a huge visual learner. So diagrams and drawings are the best way to pick up something, at least for me. I also add hand-drawn or handmade diagrams to show processes, information flows, whatever. Without them, I simply cannot publish anything. There just has to be this visual aspect. This way, a lot more people can understand the blobs of text without it entering through one ear and out the other. So another major component in the planning process is deciding which concept to diagramify. So I guess ultimately there are many moving parts that go into developing something I'm proud of or writing something I'm proud of, like a painter with their paintings. I've observed that such works make the readers or my viewers much more curious. And some even talk to me about them on Twitter DMs or Zoom calls. Uh, it's really exciting. And they look forward to more of my future work. Uh, that's how I get the ball rolling. And hopefully these processes defeat the whole writer's block thing. Internet today is the context in which you live. It's the way you see the world. It's your eyes and ears. Welcome to the Hacker Noon podcast communication strategist and branding expert, as well as Nuni's nominee for Hacker Noon Contributor of the Year in Business Strategy, Jonathan Kagansky. Tell us more about the weight of our responsibility when it comes to building a better internet for all Jonathan. It influences your entire life, your thoughts, your actions, and even the way you see yourself. Today, we are allowing people to mess with all this, basically to mess with our brains. No one is immune to it. Neither the most intelligent people in the world, nor the most sophisticated ones. If we'll continue down this route, we'll become the puppets of forces who control the flow of information. Some of us are already puppets to such forces. Let's go back to the internet, to its neutrality and regulation, before it's too late. What are some of the common mistakes makers and builders are making today? And what would be your philosophy with regards to building a better internet for tomorrow? I see this mistake all the time. People decide to develop a product and their perspective is like, wouldn't it be cool to have like this thing? Or they go and they say, how come there is no like this thing that does whatever, right? 
So they go on and develop something that is nice to have, something nobody wants to pay for or nobody even wants. So here's a perspective I like to teach that allows you to determine if your product is actually valuable. I call it a story test for new product. And it's all about, well, hate. Basically, it's a format that goes like this. As people try to go from point A to point B, you can fill in the blanks with whatever things that are relevant to your product. There is always an obstacle C that comes in the way. People hate C. They were willing to go a long way to fight C. They do things like X, Y, Z, but those simply don't work. The, the product we are developing will allow people to overcome C with an ease and to reach point B much quicker or with zero effort or additional advantage you can put here. Now, the beautiful thing about this format is you can test it in retrospect and see that it actually works with any successful product uh, almost every time. For example, with Jack Dorsey, uh, you can take about his look at his perspective on how he thought about Twitter. The story probably went something like this. Most of the content people post on social media is extremely long, and you have to read and read just to figure out what the person is trying to say, which is basically to get from A to B. And many times after reading some long post, you discover that the point is trivial, stupid or incoherent. Don't you hate this? Well, Twitter narrows all posts to 140 characters that demand people to make their points quickly and be more coherent. This is basically the format. Now, if you want to take this format to the next level, I suggest you aim higher and ask yourself if your product is what I call a transformative product if it transforms the life of its future users, not just changing how they do things, but actually transforms them, them, themselves. If you go back to the example of the original Twitter, it has transformed its users into sharp thinkers and writers. And it's true transformation and definitely huge value to propose. Thank you, Jonathan Kaganski. Rishabh Anand, Alexi Grigorev, Benjamin Murray, Sandra Spielberg, Melinda L.B. Lewis, and Ryan Dawson. Don't forget to vote for these technologists in this year's Hacker Noon Internet Awards at Noonies.tech. Special thanks also to Vladimiros Pilavanidis for the wicked introduction to this podcast, everybody who participated in the Noonies podcast series, the machine who edited and hosted this podcast, and at Sav Jayswal, you know what you did. That's all from me, Natasha Nell from HackerNoon.com. See you on the internet. Your presence has been detected and recorded. Thank you.